Welcome to Dwayne Wade Week here on Locked on Heat. Uh, we've got another episode coming up for you today. If you missed Monday's episode, it was Palooza Part 1, where we ranked Dwayne Wade's top moments of his career, uh, the best vintages or seasons of Dwayne Wade's career, and then his top five teammates that he ever played with. But today's episode is a special one I'm really excited about. Israel Gutierrez of ESPN joins the show. He joins me and David to talk about what it was like to cover Dwayne Wade as a rookie, what he remembers from those early years of D. Wade's careers, and then how he grew throughout his career. And then, of course, we get into a bunch of other things, stories about covering him, where he ranks all time among shooting guards, uh, and a whole bunch more. Izzy is great, as expected, and uh, we were really, really excited for him to join us here on Dwayne Wade Week. So uh, tune in. Also, coming up later in the week, Part two of Rankapalooza, including the biggest what-ifs of Dwayne Wade's career. And then another interview with Dwayne Wade's former teammate, Antoine Walker. We got a bunch of other interviews lined up as well. Enjoy. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Lockdown Heat. We are here with Israel Gutierrez. Really excited uh, to have you on to help us talk about Dwayne Wade's career ahead of his Hall of Fame induction. I really can't think of many people better to talk about uh, or talk to because you covered him basically his whole career. So first thing, uh, thanks for jumping on. Yeah. I want to get to your podcast, Four Years of Heat, in a minute. But I, I do want to just start with an easy one here. Just what was it like covering young D. Wade? And was there ever a point where you thought that Dwayne could be a future Hall of Famer? You know, it's funny. I, I've told this story, I think, quite a few times. And I think the only person who's probably heard it every single time would be Ira Winderman. But um, <laughs> I, when we started covering, when I, when I first started covering him preseason, I remember I was in Puerto Rico. Uh, we were in Puerto Rico. And I forget who the opponent was, to be honest. But there was just one play where Dwayne was the point guard and they just ran... I forget what kind of action it was at the top, but it ended up being in a lob, a lob to Dwayne from Eddie Jones to Dwayne. And I was like, wow, that's an athletic point guard. If that's what they're going to do with him, that's an athletic point guard. Um, and then, you know, we didn't really see too much that I can remember in the preseason, but then we got to game one and it was in Philadelphia against Allen Iverson and the Sixers. And his first, I, th I think he made his first shot as a jumper, made a couple more, just was looking really just, easy like it looked easy to him uh, in his first NBA game and I I leaned over to Ira and I said it's going to be fun covering this Michael Jordan kid because <laughs> it's who he reminded me of like I remember yeah. a play in I think it was that same game in Puerto Rico where he were on deep they were on defense and you know he follows his defender baseline and I forget who it was posting up but you know he pulled the Jordan move the sneaky little comeback and Jason Kidd does it a lot too or did it a lot too and just slapped the ball out and I was just like, just had like deja vu, you know, and the way, he, you know, he was built, the way he moved, the way he, you know, pulled up sometimes for jumpers. And it just, and so I immediately said that to him and we kind of giggled about it. But that whole first year, we, we all just kind of saw it. We saw it the first year we saw, you know, uh, why he should for sort of be starting and playing point guard, which is not his position in a team that was sort of, uh, you know, probably miss uh, pieced together. And yeah. yeah, he was just, it was amazing from the very start. And I remember the way that season, that first season was just so much fun. Um, and 
at the end, the way it ended with Dwayne Wade against the, the Pacers in game six at home, Dwayne Wade on the bench. And it was one of those where you're just like, no, now I'm sorry, <laughs> Stan, but no, like this, this guy's going to be spectacular. He might've had a moment right there because they were, I think only down two or three or something like that. Um, and it was it, the way it ended. I was just like, that's never going to happen again. This guy's going to be phenomenal <laughs> for the rest of his career. And, you know, you kind of fast forward uh, at off season, you get Shaquille O'Neal and all of a sudden, you know, everything changes for him. We could jump around, not even in chronological order with Wade's career. And I think we're going to end up doing that because I, one of the things I wanted to ask you right away here was uh, one of your earlier episodes in uh, four years of heat, which covers the big three Miami heat era. I encourage our listeners to go ahead and check that out. Um, it's really good. And again, like one of the early parts of it was, Kind of going back to the pep rally after they had yeah. signed LeBron and Bosch and D Wade. And you mentioned in the show that that was originally intended to just be to celebrate Dwayne Wade's just re-signing, right? Just to bring right. him back. And then obviously LeBron and Chris Bosch get involved. And then that same day, Wade agrees to take less money so that Udonis Haslam can, can come back. So I just want to ask, like in your reporting of all of this stuff from 10 years ago, did anything you come across strike you as new or surprising in terms of just D Wade's involvement in the formation of the big three? Um, a little bit. Um, even though I had heard this from Brian Windhorst uh, or from people before what Brian Windhorst had, had talked about with Dwayne going for a second interview with Chicago uh, before or second interview, a second meeting with Chicago. Yeah. He's not applying for a job. Uh, <laughs> and, and they are, and, they are, if anything. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. If, and that it was, you know, he was trying to bring the, the big three sort of blueprint to Chicago because he was nervous about the idea of everything working out in Miami. I thought that was, was a, something of a surprise, but it also just kind of spoke to, you know, we all talked about this, like it was Dwayne doing the heat, a solid, this is Dwayne doing Dwayne a solid. Like whatever organization it was going to be with, he wanted to play with those people. And this is not, it's not a knock on Dwayne. It's not a knock on loyalty. It's just where the NBA has been going. You know, you, mm -hmm. you look out for yourself. You, you're an individual. You're not, uh, you know, you don't belong to any sort of team. And so um, I think that part was a little bit surprising. But I think what was the most sort of telling or most just obvious when you when you go back and and, and sort of revisit all that was the part that Dwayne played in just stabilizing LeBron because the part that, you know, everybody talks about Chris had Chris Bosch had all the sacrifices to make and all that. Yes. All that's true on the court. And yes, obviously off the court, he made his family moved as well, but with LeBron, it was all a huge change because he hadn't been outside of Ohio. It was Akron, it was Cleveland and that's it. Right. And so to not bring his family that first year. So he didn't want to have, you know, quote unquote distractions. Uh, plus it was a quick turnaround um, to, to not to sort of sort of be in that middle ground of, all right, I know I'm the best player on this team, or I believe I'm the best player on this team, but is it my team? Should I just sort of fall in line? And, and how do I do that? Because what, would I hold back in that scenario? Like, I don't understand. And then to not have really outside of the team, a built-in support system because the rest of the country hated him and he didn't expect that. And so Dwayne there was just very much sort of a calming, you know, force for him, a calming voice for him. Like Dwayne is one of the rare superstars in the league. Like when you go back, he did not create problems. Like he was just a very solid teammate at all times. And 
early on, he didn't want to be a vocal guy. It wasn't until like maybe after Shaq left where they sort of got that out of him. And yet, you know, go with the flow and and make life easier for people as as you know, you had some success as they come to you into your organization. And so that part, I think, and it's not so much because of who Dwayne was. It was more of I didn't really get in the moment just how sort of vulnerable LeBron was. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, looking back, um, it becomes a lot more obvious when you talk to people about it. What what were your feelings about the formation of the big three? I don't know if you've addressed it in the podcast, but I did find a link uh, to a story you wrote when you were with the Herald, uh, kind of referencing the, that you didn't think it was good for the league regarding the the formation. What a column that was. Uh, <laughs> I, think I, got, I think what I wrote, and this was going into, if I remember correctly, um, going into the decision, it was yeah. one of those very defensive, eh, Miami doesn't need them. <laughs> it was one of those, it might not be great for the NBA. You know, the Heat will be just fine with with Dwayne. You don't want to take away Dwayne's shine. I, I, it was okay. it was a bunch of that, uh, you know, just trying to find a different angle, but also just preparing people. Hey, maybe he doesn't come here. Maybe, you know, and everything will be OK. And so maybe that's that's kind of where I was with it at the time. But especially now, you know, looking back, it was a huge um, upgrade for the league. It was, you know, it was taking a guy like LeBron James who. And this is just the example I'm using. You can go, you can use Kevin Garnett. You can use anybody. Let's use Kevin Garnett then. A guy like Kevin Garnett, who at the time, up until what, 11 years, was basically, unless you were an NBA super fan and just loved talent, you weren't going to really appreciate or even watch Kevin Garnett because he was in Minnesota. And unless he's playing the Lakers in the playoffs, like you're not really going to um, be able to appreciate that. You get LeBron James going from that market to this market in Miami, to that market in LA. And it's like, everybody can appreciate him. And so I think it grows the league in that way. It's like, oh, wow, I'm looking at Zion Williamson, not thinking, hey, that guy's going to spend his career with the Pelicans. If I'm a Knicks fan, I'm thinking, give me six years and that guy's going to be in my uniform. You know what I mean? So I think a lot of that stuff really intrigues the fans. Now it has taken away from the on-court product because all of the off-court stuff is so interesting and people want to talk about that and maybe that's where you know you lose a little bit of the purity of the game in terms of the fandom but uh you know i i would say my mind has changed from back then until now but uh i think it changed a lot sooner it wasn't you know a decade after it was probably like while we were going through it i was just like you know what this is probably good for the league it definitely expanded what was sort of the glamour franchises because Miami's, you know, officially in that group. Today's episode of Locked on Heat is brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you're going to land $200 in bonus bets Win or lose. That's $200 that you could spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. LeBron gets so much credit and should for the player empowerment thing and making the decision the way that he did. But Dwayne Wade made a decision on ESPN also along with Chris Bosh. 
I think it was during a PTI segment, if I don't. It was during Sports Center, but um, Sports it Center. was uh, Michael Where Wilbon who was hosting the interview. There it is. That's what that's what I was thinking. Um, uh, how much should this factor into Dwayne Wade's legacy, the player empowerment right. stuff, all of that? Because you, of how much you were talking about how big of a factor he was in all of that, making LeBron comfortable with doing it. You know, I think LeBron is obviously the poster child, but how much should this factor into D Wade's legacy? A ton, a, a lot, and I go back to the post-game press conference, um, post-series press conference against the Celtics in 2009 uh, after that game five in Boston where he said, this is going to be the first time I'm out in the first round or the last time I'm out in the first round in a long time, I'll tell you that. And that was before LeBron James got knocked out of the playoffs against the, uh, the Boston Celtics in the second round. So there was no certainty because if LeBron wins a championship in Cleveland, he's staying in Cleveland, right? right. So to, to Dwayne, it wasn't, I'm definitely going to be teammates with LeBron and Chris next year. It's I'm just going to get somebody because I'm too good to be wasting my talents here. I know what I can do championship wise. I did it with the Shaquille O'Neal, who is on the eh, tail end of his career ish. Um, and so get me guys in their prime. I know we can win again. And so that declaration, while it probably had LeBron and Chris Bosch in mind was no certainty whatsoever that it was those two. So I think in his mind, He'd had a plan, probably had a backup plan. And I think what what he sort of put out there for people is, hey, you got a really good superstar in an attractive city. You could probably get people to come to you. Um, you don't have to be in the Lakers, Celtics, or you don't have to be uh, the Nick, or you don't have to be LeBron level, uh, although Dwayne would consider himself LeBron level in 2008 and 2009. But you don't have to be that to say, OK, I can I can get people to come to me and, and form a really cool team over here. And I think that's what he effectively did, um, because if you really look at it, like we said, he had a huge part in that whole coming together. Going back to 2003, you kind of mentioned it uh, off the cuff there, but the fact that he was kind of cast as a point guard and it's just so many people forget the kind of just ambiguity uh, of yeah. that season with, with, you know, Pat stepping down, Stan taking over, you draft this kid out of Marquette. You're really not sure. And of course that's the era of the really big point guard, the really big shooting guard because of Michael Jordan. And here this guy is barely six, three, if anything, and you're not quite sure where to cast him, but you kind of just have to play him. Do you ever consider how differently his career might've gone I mean, he just has this incredible level of talent that seems to kind of trump that. But at the same time, we've seen this with so many players in NBA history where they're miscast yeah. or they're on a weird team and they just can't seem to find their place. And then all of a sudden, despite all this talent, we might not have seen a Hall of Fame level career. Yeah, it's funny because I remember, well, there's two things I remember vividly, most vividly uh, about that draft night was one um, sort of, well, actually it wasn't draft night. This was lottery night. Lottery night, I remember sort of pumping my fist when the Heat didn't get the number one pick because... I don't want to deal with everything that come with covering LeBron. Uh, but then uh, on draft night, I remember hearing the Pat Riley story of him talking about being on a, a treadmill or a bike, oh, I'm not okay. sure, sweating, watching the regional final of his team, Kentucky, against Dwayne Wade and Marquette. And Marquette uh, or Dwayne had that triple-double in that game. And that's when, you know, Pat said, we got to get that guy. And whether that is a true story or not, in my mind, I was like, man, he just fell in love with the dude because he did well against his team. Like, how good is this guy? Like, we don't know how his skills are going to translate. I don't know. I think I saw, right. saw him shoot a jumper in that game. Like, no idea. Absolutely clueless. Like, I remember just thinking to myself, oh, Pat really wanted to take Chris Kamen. I'm glad he didn't, but he really wanted to take Chris Kamen. He really wanted Chris Bosh. He's in love with the big guy. Like, it seems like he settled for this kid. 
And then, yeah, and then you've got Stan, so it's not Pat coaching him. You've got Stan, you've got, you know, the big Lamar Odom acquisition, and you've got Eddie Jones. So if he is going to be a point guard, well, you've got uh, Lamar Odom as your point forward, right? You're talking about Magic Johnson type of skills from Lamar Odom. And then you've got your, I mean, effectively your franchise two guard, your all-star two guard in Eddie Jones. Like, where is this guy going to fit in? And, you know, credit to Stan and just to everybody. Like, with Dwayne, he was going to find a way to fit in. The fact that, you know, even... At the end of his career, he would have been miscast as a point guard, and yet he spent the first year of his career doing just fine at that position. And so, yeah, it it was crazy how that all played out, but it couldn't, you know, I think many other organizations couldn't have given him the sudden success that he had because, you know, Pat Riley turned an Anthony Carter mistake into Lamar Odom and then turned Lamar Odom into, well, Bill Ferran, the the strength coach at the time, helped turn... Lamar Odom into a beast, but he had a beast of a season. And then he turned Lamar Odom uh, into Shaq. And then all of a sudden, Dwayne Wade, I remember going into um, Team USA practices and stuff in 04. And everybody's like, ah, you don't got to worry about him. He's got big fella. And they were, and he was just kind of smiling, like shy in the background. I was like, yeah, I know. What am I going to do? I got lucky. I got this guy coming in next year. And so, um, yeah, the way that they turned that superstardom, just ability, into a championship in three years like you don't see that very often with these with these young players these top five draft picks that's why after year seven they're almost all asking for trades i'm looking at wade's career in a lot of different ways and one of the things that jumps out to me kind of looking back at it is that year one to year two leap where it went he went from like kind of interesting rookie well very good rookie who led the heat to an interesting and surprising playoff berth to and yeah, you get Shaq, and that obviously helps elevate the entire team around Dwayne Wade. But Dwayne Wade's elevation, I don't think, is talked about enough. From year one to year two, that leap that he made, just as quality of a player, put the Heat on the map as legit contenders. Again, from plucky, surprising playoff team to legit title contenders. I can't really recall seeing a leap from a rookie to a sophomore quite like that. Hmm. And it's it's pretty amazing. I just... I don't really have a question on that. I just wonder if you have. Well, no, and it's actually making me think about it, too, because I haven't really thought about it in that light very much because it just seemed to me it was going to be automatic. Like, you get the big fella, um, you get him with another year of experience. And I remember that offseason. Was that offseason? It was the previous offseason. I can't remember which one it was, but it was one of those first two seasons, offseasons, where, you know, Dwayne was telling me he was doing dunks he's never done before. So he was, like, just feeling himself in terms of physical ability and so to go from that first year to that second year I just kind of knew it was going to be great what I didn't know is just how well maybe I had an inkling uh just from the first year but just how uh, instinctive of a passer he was specifically for big guys and so he already had that ability but then you have the biggest or the best lob option in the league in Shaq on your team um then yeah it just sort of really help that particular skill that part i wasn't so sure that he would be such a perfect teammate for for shaq because you know coming off of the kobe thing everybody was just like well we better give shaq the ball or else he's gonna be pissed and so uh you, you could I, was, I remember watching shaq all the time in half court possessions and looking to see if he would ever show body language that would show aggravation toward Dwayne. And I just don't remember seeing it ever because Dwayne was constantly looking for him and he would always say it and it wasn't until, you know, that second playoff run where um, Dwayne really fulfilled his sort of superstardom and just won that championship where he where Shaq was even OK with deferring. And it wasn't until later in the playoffs where it was obvious. It was like, oh, wow, Shaq's got to defer 
to this kid. So that second year was such a, yeah, such a big leap. But I remember, I remember not being surprised by it. In fact, I don't even remember like thinking in terms of, you know, most improved players, which, you know, rookies, so sophomore years don't usually do that very much. But um, yeah, it just felt like it was supposed to happen. One more thing uh, off the court, though, like the thing with Dwayne that kind of stands out to me is also just the maturation process. Like you hear interviews from him when he was just such a young player. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's just a byproduct of getting older. But how he just changed just in dealing with the media and being able to speak more comfortably just and of course his evolution off the court and, and many so many issues that he's involved with and just being a, a face for the league but what was that like covering that and seeing this young player kind of undergo that transformation not just on the court but also off the court as well I I mean I kind of just love that stuff you know so especially I didn't know how long I would be doing that but it was at the time a dream job so I was probably going to be there for years and years and so I was pay attention to the evolution. Like, I mean, full disclosure, like I grew up here. And so before I decided to become a journalist, I was a Heat fan. I was, you know, I was a Pat Riley guy. I was a Zoe and, and you know, even before that, Glenn Rice. And so um, I'm intrigued by a guy who's playing for, you know, the team that I grew up watching. I'd, I'd already been programmed to not be a fan as a professional, but, you know, it's it's my team, if you will. And so there's nothing to me in sports more fun outside of, well, there's two things. There's the the shocking championship run like there's uh, almost did this year. And then the, you get the young guy, you get to watch blossom into a superstar. It's even more fun to me when it's unexpected, right? It's the LeBron versus Dwayne. Uh, one you right. knew was going to be that the other one you didn't know when it came out of nowhere. And so watching him, you know, the first year he was just, again, trying to recognize how good he could be in this league because he didn't know. Um, and then the second year, it was a lot of Shaq really forcing him, letting him know, hey, you're the man. Like, you are great, and you're going to have to own that. Uh, the same way Kobe owned that from the second he stepped on the court, you're going to have to own that. And you saw he gave him the Flash nickname. Uh, I remember one time uh, I was asking Shaq. He was asking me. It was early in the season before he announced the nickname. And I, he was like, oh, what do you think? What do you think the nickname's going to be? And I was like, I don't know, D-Wade. I couldn't. I came up with the, the, the corniest thing. And he goes, ah, that's ghetto. That's nonsense. He goes, listen, <laughs> Flash. And I was like, okay. I, when he told me, I was like, all right, if you think that's going to catch up, it caught on. <laughs> and it sure did. And he became Martin a flash. And, and so <laughs> the next year, uh, the championship year, I, I remember, if you remember, see the, the clip all the time where he was like, we're going to have the biggest parade ever. And I was like, you can see how young and kid in him is still there, right? And it wasn't until after that when things started to get bad. He had the shoulder injury. He had seasons that weren't the best. He started to have to answer questions, answer questions of failure, answer questions of, are you going to shoot a three-pointer next year? Like, that's going to, like, he was missing that. It's like, uh, like if he would have shot a three, he would have been the best player ever. Um, and so he started, like, picking that stuff up and recognizing, okay, I'm going to have to answer these tough questions. And I remember one time asking him, like, about the leadership role. And he's like, I don't know if I'm ready to do that yet. I don't know if I want to do that yet. I might not be that guy yet. I'm going to have to step into it. But he was very honest wow. about who he was and what he was ready for. And, you know, again, fortunately, his second and third year and, you know, into his fourth and a little bit of his fifth, he had Shaq next to him. But at the same time, Shaq and he'll even admit it was probably not the greatest mentor for a guy um, of Shaq, of Dwayne Wade's age and, and coming up because, 
you know, Shaq was very, Shaq was very Shaq centric. Like it was all the world revolved around Shaq. And I don't think Dwayne necessarily was that type of person. I think you see that in him now. He's very selfless. He likes, he's a giving person and doesn't necessarily love to be in the spotlight alone. He can be in the spotlight with others joking around, but not alone. And I think that it sort of shaped him um, to recognize what kind of leader he wanted to be because he was able to take his time in becoming one. And then all of a sudden, by the time he established himself as a leader, he gets, you know, LeBron and, and Chris Bosh as teammates. And then it becomes sort of a collaborative thing where everybody now he still had more of a role because it was his organization, if you will. Right. But it was a collaborative thing. Hey, we're all in the same year, same rookie class. We all, you know, respect this head coach. But we all know he's in his third year. So let's help each other out. And it was more what he was comfortable with group leadership, collaborative leadership, but still, you know, his peers, not just random people. And also you yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah, I I love that. That was awesome. Uh, I'm so glad you can kind of take us back behind the curtain there, behind the reporting and just what it was like covering him. Um, this was great. We have a few more questions. It's basically called the flashcard round. It's exactly like what it. it sounds like. It's a lightning round. Uh, we're going to jump right in. You mentioned that you grew up in Miami. You are the perfect person to answer this question, Mount Rushmore, Miami athletes, assuming Dwayne Wade is on it. Yeah. Uh, Dwayne Wade, Dan Marino, locks, um, athletes, right? Not coaches. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oof. I mean, I, ooh, wow. This is a heck of a question. Cause I have a bit of a hockey blind spot, but they also haven't really done anything since they've been here. Um, it's, I've got to put a baseball player on there. And I mean, but they haven't stuck around long enough. Right. Because he's tough, right? Like the first thought is Cabrera, Cabrera there? but he's right. only there for a little while. Josh Beckett, because he won a world series. Jeff Conine. Jeff Conine. But, but, but I mean, just because of his popularity, it wasn't because of performance. Like yeah. to me, the first person I think of when I think of Marlon star that stayed around a few Gary Sheffield, but I'm not putting him on the Mount Rushmore. Uh, maybe that's just because I'm, you know, a little older. So I don't even know if you can put a baseball player on that thing. Dontrell Willis? No, Dontrell Willis? Mm, no? Nah. Uh, flash nah. in the pan. Yeah, flash in the pan. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know who to put on there on the baseball team. This is kind of scary for me. Like Al Leiter? No. Can't no. be on there. You could, you could just not could, do could baseball. You have, what if, right. You can't because, I mean, you had an MVP in Giancarlo Stanton, but he was barely yeah. around. So right, yeah. I don't think you can, I, I think you've got to put Alonzo Mourning on there because of everything he did uh, while he was there and then coming back and winning a championship. And then even though it's a bonus, just that he's still with the organization. So I think that's my top three. You probably need a 70s Dolphins player. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's got to be it. It's got to be uh, whoever that safety was at Jake 13. What is his name? Big Scott. Scott, maybe, but go Zonka. I don't know. Because if they put Zonka on there, it's probably recognizable, right? But if you put Jake Scott on there, I'm not recognizing his face. Uh, no, no matter how big it is. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, here, I'll throw in number four for me. I don't care if it was only four years, LeBron James. There we go. Ooh, Two like championships. Hot, That's fine. Hot take. I like it. Uh, Chris Bosch, I don't want to mention. All right. Flashcard round. That was number one. Um, Number two, rank the top three or four, maybe five shooting guards of all time. Um, well, it's funny because I, I love Jerry West. Um, I love talking to him. It's crazy that he knows who I am. 
Um, but I never watched him play enough to really have a strong opinion. Like I got to go, go really go back on the footage and just watch him. But um, Michael Jordan, Dwayne Wade, Kobe Bryant, uh, Jerry West, and. Does it even matter? You've got really Dwayne does. over I Kobe. Mean, there's so many. There's so many um, so but many you have Dwayne ones. over Kobe. I have Dwayne and Kobe essentially like neck and neck, like just with depends on, on what you want, right? Yep. Um, uh, more efficiency with with Dwayne, a little better on-ball defense with Kobe, more variety in his offense with Kobe, which you could say is a detriment because it probably led to a little bit of a field goal ineffectiveness, right? Because he knew mm -hmm. he could take, make those shots and lefty sweeping hooks and stuff like that. But uh, <laughs> I think, but I, I just think it's, it's just what you like and what, what you want differently. I am actually in agreement with Dwayne as a side note that if he didn't basically, if he goes back to his college years and properly deals with his meniscus instead of rushing through it, uh, that he is probably in the goat discussion. Like if you go back to that 2008, 2009 stretch where before LeBron got there, and watch those two go at it like they were peers and lebron will tell you that i know obviously he's not going to admit oh he was better than me or whatever but they were on the same level and i think if he didn't have those injuries a they probably went four out of four in that big three yep. era and b he is in that discussion for greatest of all time he was that good i think we're all in agreement there and you just you answered the greatest what if in Dwayne wade's career there last one um can you build a super team, a perfect super team, a championship contender with current NBA players around prime Dwayne Wade? So you got oh, prime sure. Dwayne Wade and then four current NBA players. You pick. Uh, prime Dwayne Wade and then four. And you, have so, out, you have to stay out of the second luxury tax apron. Just kidding. So you said, you said <laughs> no, I'm just current, kidding. You don't have to do the math. Current NBA players, yeah. right? Current NBA yeah. players. Oh, my goodness. Uh, hang on. Let me throw up a, uh, a quick standings here because i don't want to skip anybody because this is actually a fun question <laughs> don't normally get too many of these um i think at the point guard shooters, spot, right well at yeah. the point guard spot specifically and i'm thinking is and this is just because it's Dwayne. uh you remember his point guard in college travis deaner was his name right? sure yeah uh, he was such a good shooter and they were so good together so i'm trying to think of like oh i like fred van bleep I'll start Fred Van Vliet at point guard. Okay. I don't think because wow. like we're building a super team. They don't. They're not all you know multiple time all stars, right? It's probably you like can do whatever you want. Two more. I, all right, yeah. Yeah. do whatever you want. There you go. Yeah, um, man, I, I I want him with with Nikola Jokic. I do want him with Jokic Ooh, because be I think as as a passer I mean, together. Um, but that means he needs an athletic four man who defends more. So I'm putting him next to Bam, and he's already he already knows how to throw lobs to Bam. Um, wow. and so that's one, two, three, four, that's four already. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's so I, I need a small forward here and this is probably the toughest one because you want to find a guy who can be, um, a little bit plug and play. Right. So the first thought is put KD there as, yeah. as a three man and say he, you know, Dwayne can, can play with him and he doesn't quote unquote need to handle the ball as much. Right. Uh, so I think that's probably who I'm going with. I like, yeah, That's Dwayne good. with oddly Fred Van Vliet, <laughs> and um, I just like his personality too. I think Fred is just kind of no nonsense. Yeah, if it's an open shot, I mean, I feel like ninety percent of the time he's he's gonna make that shot, and it's just you know he doesn't have any big ego, and I think that's a perfect sidekick 
for for Dwayne. So I think, yeah, right now off the cuff, that's my squad. Nice. I love it. I love it. Uh, was not expecting the Fred Van Vliet appearance when I asked that question, <laughs> but hey, that's why that's why they pay the big bucks for the hot takes. LeBron James on the Mount Rushmore. That's why we do it. Uh, Israel Gutierrez of ESPN, we really appreciate you coming on. Make sure to check out the podcast. Uh, four Years of Heat available wherever it is that you get your podcast. Do highly recommend that one. Uh, thanks, man. This is fun. No problem. I'll put a rookie on the bench, uh, a man Thompson, because I think he's going to be a stud. There it is. And he doesn't there cost much. Wow. Six. Man. <laughs> 